It's Cofield and Company. 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 Oh, I'm working for Steve Cofield, and it's just it's just non-stop. Out of, it's a nonstop. Non-stop. In spite of being quite chubby and not eating healthy, I don't have enough donuts. I should eat more donuts because I love them. So Willie's all, Willie's all amped up. Yeah, now I'm ready. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday, getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, 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 partying. Yeah, all right, here we go. Friday, 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 Friday. No conflict Friday until 4 o'clock. Then we're going to have some conflict. Uh, Willie is here. It's Cofield, Ari, in our Finley Toyota studios. Nice, crisp day outside. <laughs> it's been uh, a long, interesting day for Willie. You know, football is here, so the training camps are opening up. UNLV next week, next Saturday. The Raiders are in a little earlier than the rest of the NFL because the Hall of Fame game is coming up on August 4th. we got a loaded show Today, we've got a ton of audio from Derek Carr. It was Derek Carr day today at day three of training camp. Uh, later on, we'll bring in some of our football insiders, NFL veterans, Mark McMillan and Stanford Route. Let's get to it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. All right, you guys have the responsibility of watching The Wire because not the TV show, but the Newswire because I think we may have a Friday news dump, which is a staple of the National Football League. Can't guarantee it's going to happen, but I did notice uh, happen. Happen. Uh, did notice last night that Mike Florio from uh, PFT was making the <laughs> prediction that the you know we still don't have a Watson decision. Still don't have a Watson decision, and yeah. the uh, judge in the case said she was going to need a few more weeks, and. Florio, maybe with a source or just kind of joking, said, will Judge Sue L. Robinson issue her decision on Deshaun Watson on Friday afternoon? If she understands the NFL's preferred PR timing, she will. And then I saw like an hour ago, and I don't even know why it didn't register immediately. Like, there's no way this happened. I see at Honorable Sue L. Robinson with a picture of the woman and... This person did a really good job because they tweeted out my decision submitted to the NFL League office and then a fake NFL letter on NFL letterhead, right, with the NFL letterhead. And in there, I, can, I read it real quick. It was kind of small, and it looked like he got a six-game suspension. Mm. And I was like, Ugh! I was like, how did I miss this? This is an hour old. What's going on here? This was like 1.30. And then I realized I clicked on the account, and the uh, account was a fake account with 31 followers. Ooh, so You didn't get duped. I did not get duped. I've been duped. Close been, to being duped. I've been duped by a, a darn Schefter, a fake Adam Schefter. I remember that. One time. like uh, I remember that. Actually, in the middle of DeMarco Murray's career. So it's, yeah. been, it's been a while. I'm not saying I'm never going to get duped again because people are really creative on social media. So we'll be tracking that when it comes to quarterbacks. Today's a big day to talk about NFL quarterbacks. And, of course, the other one is, you know, yesterday we were inundated by – Raiders stuff, college football stuff. It was Kyler Murray payday. And he gets $231 million on a deal, 160 guaranteed. And I thought the reaction from fans, tweeters, sports pundits, 
was kind of mixed. So what do you think? Did the Cardinals just make a monumental error by giving Kyler Murray essentially $46 million a year? And, you know, they're, they're, they're locked in here about four or five years at $160 million. I, I don't, you know, here's the thing. It's, it's a judgment in talent and it's hard to take away. It's hard to take the talent away from this young man and, and say that he's not worth, you know, um, when I think that he's still at the beginning stages of his career and he's really dang good, um, we don't know whether he can lead the team. They, they This is a team that's they've sort of brought the components in. They've made the moves. They're, they're sort of in place. And I think that they still have a little bit more to go. It's a building blocks kind of team. But to sit here and hate on the guy for making bank, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to uh, air quote crap on this guy's Deal? I mean, you go out, you make the money. Um, am I going to ridicule the Arizona Cardinals? They believe in him, obviously. So well, who am I to say, oh, you got the wrong guy? Because in reality, you know, and I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, a lot of shows um, when it comes to arguments over this this whole, you know, we did, we, we did this last year in talking about other people talking about the top five, the elite quarterback, who's in this division, who's in this, who's in that. You know what? I don't know who, we don't know who the heck, outside of Mahomes and Brady at this point, it's, you know, and I guess you could now throw Stafford in there. They've won a ring. Outside of that, until you prove that you can do something, just shut up and play. So who are we to say that, they could have went out and got somebody else. You know, I, I've heard the uh, same as you. I've heard the, uh, you know, people, the outcry. They went and spent all this money and he's not even a top five. Okay, well, who is in your top five elite and are they available? I'll tell you on the way back. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. 10.8 miles. Put it in the books. Listen, bottom line is this. Bottom line is this, trust me, start exercising, change your life, believe in yourself, take action, make it happen, you deserve it, you're worth it, have the best Friday ever ready to roll. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Do it, all right. Willie's brother from another mother, Stu Finer. Big Stu, big Stu, trying to get in shape. We I can't discuss Stu on this. On Bottom this show. line, we have to do we have to do late night podcast to Stu to Stu Finer conversations. Stop the exercise. That guy, boy, I tell you, he's a bundle of energy. I, I, I uh, generally I'll see a video of him in the morning. I'm like, let's go, let's go. What's All right, it? so what was uh, day yeah. three? We're calling it day three. I know report day was day one. Yeah. What was day three like today? We'll get to Derek Carr and expectations and a little bit of a clash with one of the media members. But what was day three like out on the field? What'd you see? What caught your eye? Um, you know, I, 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 for the first time because they brought them so close and they, they went. I, I was really shocked because I didn't go out yesterday, and yeah. I, I was shocked at how close. Well, there's we, more access now for the media. They're closer yeah. to us because they also have about five bleachers set up for yeah. invited guests and fans, right? Which I think is pretty cool, right? And I believe that they're probably PSLs, and then off to the uh, the other on the other side, they have family and friends of the team and quick disclaimer and uh 
I, I was telling my photographer, keep an eye out for Kelsey Plum, see if she shows up. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, eye on the prize, Willie, even yeah, though it's hot yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job. Keep, Keeping your head about you. Knowing, knowing, the, knowing, the, knowing the practice was going to be later, and I was like, keep it. And, every, and everybody I asked, they go, hey, why? Is she here? Is she here? Is she here? I said, I don't know. I'm just saying. Keep an eye out. So anyway. So oh. what I, I'll just say, what I was looking for is a lot of the guys who have been injured and held out. Yeah. Even if it's minor injury. So I was definitely watching Denzel Good, who's a massive factor on this team. because. Yeah. He's coming back from an ACL tear only 10 months ago, and I would like to see him start at one of the positions, left guard, right guard, right tackle. Yeah. So I was watching how he was moving around. You know, Jacobs is out there. Uh, yesterday, actually a couple of days ago, Josh McDaniels talked about the fact that guys are coming back from the trainer's room, yeah. guys like Drake and Josh Jacobs. I, 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 I watched the offensive line a little bit block. Um, I wanted to see that up close before I went in and started writing and I wanted to keep an eye on Leatherwood, but I really wanted to see their footwork coming out of sort of the offseason. They were working out right in front of you there. Yeah, yeah. so I was was trying to watch their footwork, just see their explosion, their jump. Josh, too, and you know, some of the guys that didn't, didn't get a ton of work in the spring. As a coach, when, when, when you hear and you finally get that final go ahead from the training staff, like they're cleared, they're good to go, they're ready to go. You know, it just makes you feel good because you know you're kind of getting closer to whole. And those guys obviously have done a lot, you know, in this league, done a lot for this organization and um, eager to work with them. You know, as a, as a coach who hasn't coached them before, there's always that, you know, level of unknown of, you know, how are these going to look? How is this going to look when he does it? So uh, eager to start seeing them do just some of the basic things we did in the spring and then uh, bring them along. You know, and even though this is a passing league, those two guys, Drake and Jacobs, are a big part of an offense, of this offense. And it's not like, you know, McDaniels is going to be a 70-pass-per-game guy. No. They, in Patriot land, they like to run the ball, and they're going to use these running backs. But last year, we never really got, you know, both of them going, really humming at the same time. No, and, and and that's why I think they have such a big running backs room, right? They made some draft picks. They brought some vets in, you know, brought Bolden in. They drafted White. They got Jacobs. They got Drake. They got other guys in there, and I think that's why it's going to be a running back by committee with your bigger names expected to be at the forefront. But, um, no, I agree, and and they because they cannot – Knowing that defenses are going to be targeting Adams, Waller, Renfro, they're going to be zeroing in. At some point, they're going to need to turn to the rushing game. They're going to have to have balance. Coming up, a lot of changes in the new organization. We know that. New president, you know, new GM, new coach, a lot of new players are in. Randall Cunningham is out. We're going to talk to one of his good buddies, former teammate Mark McMillan, one of our football insiders in less than five. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. I'm faster than Lamar. Lamar's quicker than me, <laughs> but I'm faster than Lamar. That's just – yeah, there's a difference between, you know, world-class track speed and, and then guys that are fast on the football field. Lamar is one of the fastest in the league, hands down. He might be the quickest guy I've ever seen in my life. When we talk about straight line running, yeah, I can be Lamar in a race, but we've been handled that and talked about that multiple times. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. That was our D3. He's trying to make a comeback. By the way, is there anyone dumb enough to hear that and go, what? RG3 was a track athlete. It's just, it's different speed. It's a straight line. He, he said it, you know, that Lamar on the football field is quicker. Mark McMillan's with us. He was a fast guy. Mark, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. And, and listening to that take about RG3, maybe if he would have not had that mentality, he will still be in the league. He thought he could outrun everybody. That was his problem. Well, 
I mean, I think I I didn't hear the whole conversation, so I don't like to judge what someone was saying. I it, you know what it made me think of? Like I said, RG three was a track athlete. It actually made me think of your buddy in a conversation we had a couple of months ago. Um, you know, your track star buddy uh, Devin Allen out of Oregon. Yeah. Who, by the way. Yep. Tell people in the audience what happened because I've never seen anything like this. Basically, he broke the rules because he was too fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that was unbelievable, man. I had an opportunity to talk to him. He was in Arizona this week, and you know, just playing golf. And you know, he's he was in good spirits, but you know, it deep, deep down inside, man, he's worked all year for this. He was yeah. the fastest guy in the world all year. Uh, he was breaking records, and you get penalized for having the fastest twitch fiber muscles that you practice. Yeah. This is why you practice lifting the weight and, you know, speed training to have that quick twitch fiber so you can react to the gun. And seeing that, man, that was that was really bad, man. I feel really bad for him. Yeah. Obviously, you know, um, he has another career to go to next week and shows up here with the Eagles. But like I said, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, he's a hurdler and a world-level hurdler, and he got disqualified because his start was too quick. Like, there's a, a minimum start you can uh, you can fire out of the blocks with. All right, so before we get to Raiders on the field, we got to talk about Raiders off the field because you're the first guy I thought of when I saw the news that Randall Cunningham uh, Randall Cunningham's not going to be the chaplain with the Raiders. What happened here? Did you get a chance to talk to him? Like, he wasn't fired, was he? No, he wasn't, he wasn't fired. Uh, you know, it was just uh, a new regime. Um, you know, one thing about Randall, man, he, he beats to his own drum. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody knows his face and the way he walks, and he just wasn't uh, up to, you know, putting up with the new regime. And, you know, him and, like I said, you know, him and John Gruden has a really good relationship going back to their days in Philadelphia. And he felt the loyalty to John uh, to bring him on. And, you know, when the new guys come in, you know, he just didn't feel that same comfort. And, you know, uh, the Lord called him to, like he said, to step away and, and do something else. So, you know, he wasn't fired. You know, if, if he was fired, then good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and I, bad, bad move. Real bad move. I, uh, and, and here's the thing is when, when I read that he, you know, that he had said, you know, that, I, that he prayed on it, I 100% believe that because when him and Vernon Fox were, uh, you know, they're both pastors, but when they, when they were both head coaches, and uh, mm-hmm. and they say that they're going to put like they some of us say you know well I said a prayer for myself I said I mean they they go deep into thought and one of the things that crossed my mind Mark when he prayed on it was this is an organization that it may have a new regime from top to bottom present but they also have a lot of uh, wrinkles to iron out within the organization off the field with some issues that you know you for for a guy who walks the path that he does Randall. Um, that he may not want to be involved with either. That also crossed my mind that within prayer, that you know, in in his own spiritual talks with the Lord, it said, "Hey, this is just an organization right now that it's time to distance yourself." Yeah, and if you, can you imagine some of the Zoom calls, the Zoom prayers, and the Zoom meetings over the last couple of years that he had to have with these players, the organization, uh, especially with everything that's been going on from top to bottom over the last two years. You know, those those are conversations that we had in private, but you know that was that, that took a lot out of them, man. And yeah. you know, you can do so much, and you know, <laughs> those guys were needing a lot of prayer over the last couple of years. And, <laughs> you know, he was he was one of the guys, and he couldn't go to the facility, so it was Zoom, so he really couldn't really get a good feel for the guys uh, personally. But like you said, between him and Vernon, man, you know the way they are, the way they walk, when they put their mind to it, man, and they pray on it, I don't question it at all. I just texted my guy and said, man, I'll be back in town next week. Let's go on to grab something to, something to eat. 
Grillin McMillan on the road in Arizona. Like he said, he'll be back in uh, Las Vegas pretty soon. Let's talk about some specific players on the Raiders roster. First of all, the second-year safety, uh, Trevon Merrick. Yeah, you know, I'm looking for you know to uh, him to step up. Obviously, this is the second year, um, a new defensive you know defensive coach, defensive scheme. But as you know, in the National Football League, everybody pretty much runs kind of like the same scheme. It's just different terminology. But uh, you know, a young guy with a lot of talent, a long rangey guy that can go after the ball. Uh, so I'm looking for him to you know step up big time. Um, I said I always say this about Nate Hobbs, man. He's going to be a, a key for that secondary as well because you need. In this day and age, you need six good defensive backs. Uh, your nickelback has got to be a starter in the National Football League mm-hmm. because you're going to see the third receiver, which is, you know, you look at Renfro, who's killing their, uh, killing most corners, who's their third guy. So you need three quality guys uh, to step up, and Nate Hobbs has got to step up this year. Let's talk about one of the newest linebackers. Uh, John Brown, who is added to the roster. What, he's a Long Beach guy? He's a UCLA guy? You know him? Yep, yep, yeah. He's an LBC guy, man. And, you know, with the UCLA, I'm a big uh, UCLA supporter going back to my Jim Moore days. Uh, you know, a guy that was normally used in nickelback coverage. But, you know, nowadays, like I said, with the, the way the offenses are running, you have to have a linebacker uh, slash safety that can cover and be able to, you know, come downhill on the run as well. So, you know, he's going to have to play big, but he has experience. And that's one thing about the Raiders. They have more experience on the defensive side of the ball. These guys have been in this, uh, you know, in this in this space for a while. So there's no excuses about guys being young and uh, making terrible mistakes. Uh, you know, you added Chandler Jones, who's a veteran as well. On the side of Max Crosby would probably be one of the one-two punches, in my opinion, in the National Football League this year. Speaking with Emmy Award winner and former eight-year hey. NFL veteran Mark Grillin McMillan. So speaking of linebackers, i got to ask you, I, I know that you played before Antonio Pierce. Pierce came in after, but uh, he's now taking over the linebackers unit as a coach. He comes from uh, a staff where that you know Herm Edwards very well. What do you know about Antonio Pierce, and what can he bring because he's so close to being removed um, in terms of, you know, I mean, not really, but he, he could still be a player's coach and, and sort of come down a little bit and talk to the players. Um, you know, you need that guy that has that voice. Uh, he was a leader uh, on the Giants team. Obviously, they won the Super Bowl as well. Uh, went to Arizona State, got in a little bit of trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, escaped out of Arizona and went on down to Las Vegas and, you know, landed himself a job with the, with the Raiders. And, you know, he'll be able to relate to the players. Um, obviously, he's been there, done that. Um, he's very knowledgeable about the game. He's been a coordinator uh, on the D one level, um, so I, I look forward to him being able to relate to the players and being able to get the most out of those guys as well. So on this show, we root for guys who are five nine and under, like all of them, all of them. It's yes, just the way it works, you know. Especially when Adam <laughs> Hill's not here. Um, Kyler Murray just got a monster deal for a little guy, forty six million dollars a year. What do you think? Oh my. Good, good look. I, I tell my mom every time I see these deals, I say, Mom, I was born a little bit too early because the deals that these guys are getting up right now, good Lord. And the man has not won a playoff game. I, I was looking at some of the statistics about the salary breakdown. He's right behind Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. who's, what, 50.3? Kyler's, what, 46.1? Deshaun is 46. And guess who's fourth? Patrick Mahomes, the MVP, Super Bowl winner. 
he's getting paid more than these guys, and he hasn't even won a playoff game yet. Okay. Now there's been criticism. Mike Lombardi, who worked in the NFL, is now an analyst for a couple of different media spots like VSIN. He tweeted out, um, look at his body language during games. Tell me if he's ever happy. Uh, he said when a team rushes him correctly, it's a hard game for Kyler Murray. Yeah, and like I said, you know, you, you don't want to say it, but it is a problem that being able to see over these linemen. And, you know, you look at some of his big-time plays, all of his plays are made outside of the pocket, him on the run, uh, which, you know, Kingsbury is doing a good job of that, you know, keeping him out of the pocket. And when you have DeAndre Hopkins, you know, going up for the ball, who's one of the best receivers in the game, it makes his job a lot easier. Take out DeAndre Hopkins, and you see Kyler Murray struggle big time in the second half of the season. So I would never knock a man for getting his money. I'm excited for the young man. Praise the Lord. He got all, he, yeah. he got what the market deserves right now. And, you know, if, if you're uh, Lamar and, you know, you're Justin and, and you're Joe Barrow who's smoking cigars, you are licking your chops at that deal. Yeah, and I said the exact same thing. If you're going to get your money, get your money. Let me ask you a question. I, I saw something interesting, and I and, and I don't want you to elaborate. I just want you to tell me, in your opinion, if any of these names would be worth the exact same amount, like if you agree. So Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins. Out of those four, any of those worth the exact same kind of contract that Kyler Murray got today? Say that say that again because I'm I'm still I'm still caught up on this forty six point one right here. You said it, Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins. Any one of those four deserving of of an identical or similar contract? I, I would say uh, L- Lamar. Okay, you know, so the, uh, the number put up. You know, he's won an MVP. He's a proven winner. Um, he's, he's one of the most dynamic players in in the National Football League. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins is just a guy that just flies under the radar, but you know. Um, you know, he's having a little trouble where he's at. But Lamar is definitely the guy that's probably licking his chops, and I think his mom is, is representing him as well. So, you know, she's doing the happy church dance right now. Like, Lord, thank you, Jesus. We're about, we about, we about to hit the lotto. Well, the only reason why I ask you that, because you mentioned that, he ha- that Kyler Murray hasn't even won a playoff game. You ready for this? Mark Sanchez has more playoff wins than all of those quarterbacks combined. Mark Sanchez, that's that's Steve Cofield's favorite guy. Mark Sanchez from the guy, that, oh, yeah. the, the butt the butt fumble guy. That's the butt fumble guy. All time winner, all time winner. Yeah, two playoff runs, and uh, these guys really haven't done much in the playoffs or even made the playoffs. So, that's what right. happens, it's man? Just, it's just the way, it's the way the market is. Uh, yep. You look at the wide receivers, the way it is. You look at Christian Kirk. He goes to Jacksonville. He was a pretty much a, a third down guy, but he he signs a hundred plus million dollar deal to go to Jacksonville. Uh, so, so the price is you Hollywood Brown. They trade him for you know from the Ravens to the Cardinals to try to replace that. But Hollywood hasn't he ain't caught a cold butt naked since he's been in Baltimore. So <laughs> I don't see how they gave him all that money and traded for him and think he's going to step in to be that number two go to receiver. Mark, let's hit a little college football. What do you think the Mountain West Conference should be doing right now as they seem to be just waiting around for everyone else to decide? Yeah, I, I saw you covering the, uh, the, uh, the 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 conference this week, and I was just looking at you know your Boise State, I you know uh, Air Force. Of course, we got to talk about UNLV, the state they're in. This is year three under uh, under the ball coach, so he's really got to do something this year. And you know, you look at the realignment, and how do you get money? How do you generate uh, more fan base? How do you generate more revenue for your school? And I, I really think that 
they should think about bringing in a, uh, another school or, or maybe joining a, another conference. I don't know what team. You know, you got Arizona State out there. Uh, you got Oregon, who's who's floating in the wind. You know, you, you got some power five school teams that uh, that will probably be. You got Washington State. So there, you know, there's some teams out there that I think they probably should think about to try to strengthen up that conference. Yeah, I think that be the uh, that could be the case in uh, a couple of years once we find out what Oregon, Washington, Arizona, and Arizona State are going to do, and if the Pac-12 only has like you know six schools left, eight they just merge with the Big Twelve. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? But the I will tell you the <laughs> I, the Mountain West is going to wait. That's usually what the Mountain West does. All right, I wanted to talk uh, a real quick Philly point here because you know Philly as well as anyone. I grew up pretty close to Philly. The Sixers are planning on building an arena, moving from South Philly oh to Center God. City. Uh, most of the response I've seen on this, people hate it. My knowledge of Philly, I think it's stupid. What do you think? I think it's a bad idea. Um, the, that's the only city that has all major sports in one complex facility within a mile of each other. That's the perfect setup. You know, you got hockey, you got basketball, you got football, you got baseball, all in one setting. Right there off the, uh, you know, off the I ninety five, you know, right there off of, you know, uh, South Street, uh, you know. So putting it downtown, you got parking issues. They got to address the crime issues first in Philadelphia before they try to put a stadium down in the city. You know, they, they have a they have a crime rate that's probably number one in the nation right now. And you try to, you know, you move a, a stadium down there with no parking. Uh, it's already bad enough. You got potholes everywhere. That's been there since I played back in the nineties. That still haven't been fixed, so I don't think it's a good move. I think they should stay where they're at. Uh, I know the uh, Flyers are really trying to X out the Sixers, and it's just bad blood with there. But uh, you've been to the complex. It's, a, it's one of the greatest setups as mm-hmm. far as sports teams um, that I've seen yeah. in any any city. And what they should do is because they still have some property there. What they should do is build up some sort of entertainment complex around those arenas and stadiums. They should invest in that area. Yeah, it's. It, it, it's dumps around there, you know. It's, <laughs> you know, it, it's a lot of it's a lot of empty uh, yeah. shipyards and, yep. and, and dump trucks around that area uh, that they can build up rather than going down in the city and you know just just making it. You know, it's going to cost a lot of money, and you know, so we all know uh, those stadiums are not cheap. But I think the setup that they have right now, right there at the, at the complex, right there, is a great setup for them to move downtown in the city, in the heart of the city. Man, you came and park. You came and drive two cars down the street right now, and you're going to put a put a arena down there. That's crazy. Mark McMillan is with us. Let's close on another nice story. You know, we're talking about a good guy in Randall Cunningham. Um, I don't know if you know, you've come across, you've ever talked to Bo Jackson, but I just saw that uh, ESPN had a nice story on him. The fact that he paid for the funerals of uh, 21 people in the uh, Uvalde school massacre. Um, what yeah. do you know about Bo Jackson? Um, Bo Jackson's a great guy, man. I've played golf with uh, Bo several times back in Alabama. Um, you know, he's a Southern dude. You know, he, he comes off, uh, you know, bigger than life on TV. But when you're around him, man, he cracks jokes. He'll crack on you. Uh, you know, same thing with Charles Barkley. You know, he gets a bad rep because he's so blunt. But if you go into a bar or, or a restaurant and you see Charles, Charles will probably buy your drink, uh, buy your dinner. Um, you know, so Bo Jackson, man, is a, is a class act. Uh, I said I was born a little late uh, for my mom, so I thank God I wasn't born a little early oh, and had to play against Bo Jackson because watching <laughs> some film when they were playing the Eagles two years before I got there, 
good Lord, thank you, Jesus. I'm glad I wasn't on that field. <laughs> now, listen, before we let you go, I just got to tell you that when I go on Instagram and I go on Facebook and watch these dang reels, I'm tired of seeing this boy, <laughs> Bama Grillmaster, going, what up, guys? All right, you know what time it is. It's time to go in for that bite. That's let's get the way, videos. That's a very good impression if you haven't seen that guy. Let's get the videos going. Let's get the reels going. I need some grilling McMillan. No, I'm tired no, no. of seeing this guy. Hold on a second. What? No, no, no. You, you know I love TikTok. Yeah. So this week, I I don't know, I hit something, and it was like, oh, link up with your friends on TikTok. Now, like every fourth video on TikTok, guess who's on there? Really? Mark. Mark's on TikTok. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cooking? Yeah. Oh, I'm not he's, on he's TikTok. Drinking, he's can, drinking can, iced tea. He's got barbecue sauce. He's got seasoning. <laughs> You're on TikTok now. Get that over to Instagram so I can watch it. I'm not a TikTok guy. I'm tired of seeing this guy going, what up, guys? <laughs> Do you hey, know man, that guy? I, I just learned. I'm still learning about the TikTok. Yeah. I am on Instagram, and, you know, I try to tweet out as much. You know, it's football season, so I'm, I'm a little bit more amped up. Uh, I'm gonna fire up the grill a little bit more. We gotta make a TikTok video together, man. I'll be in town next week, so we gotta we gotta make a TikTok together, man. While we're on the grill, my debut. Let's do it. I'm bringing the I'm bringing some of the perfect seasons. We didn't get to hook up during the Pro Bowl. I'm right. bringing the Cajuns. The cook off. It's a cook off and a season off. All right, Mark. We'll see you in town next <laughs> week. Okay, buddy. All right. Appreciate you guys. Have a good show. There he is, Mark McMillan. Uh, by the way. Just to, I know we're talking Philly area, and it's, it might be foreign to like 99% of our audience. Yeah. It is a little bit weird, and I, I'm all for uh, moving stadiums and arenas and like investing in downtown areas and making it more accessible, you know, with more businesses around, but they're, they're already in kind of a downtown area at the south end of Broad Street. They're going to move to a more crowded area, and most of the Philly fans I've seen, their reaction is like, yeah, now I can't get there. Like, I could actually drive and park at the, the three arenas and stadiums now in the middle of the city, like there's nowhere to park. And then, of course, you know, you'll get local politician reaction is, oh, just take uh, mass transit. Like, wait, I, you want me to take mass transit back home at 1130 at night? Like when we all live in the suburbs, like this, it's a weird idea. And then the other thing is they announced an arena. What? what where? 2022. I don't even know if I'm going to be on Earth in 2031. 2031? Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Coleman with the dish and a shot by Bleed. Save made. They score on a rebound. The Bruins take a one to nothing lead. Eric Pola after a terrific stop by Jonathan Bernier. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Former Golden Knight, Eric Holla. We're going to try to uh, wrangle up a spot with him in the next couple minutes. Wrap up the Battle for Vegas softball game, but that's coming up in just a little bit. You know, if you just listen to Mark McMillan on with us, Mark wanted to throw in, hey, the Mountain West needs to do something. Yeah. The vibe I got at Mountain West Conference football media days, and again, like, I'm not in conversations, and I don't think they're going to say much. They're trying to you know, throw out the party line that we've got a lot of options. I will say this for the most part, the conference is stable. Now it's weird because it's stable because most schools don't want, I'm sorry. Most conferences don't want to grab anyone out of the conference. Right now. Would every team in the conference jump to a power five if offered? Yes. Every single one, everyone. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll say this. There are certain schools that might look at it and go, all right, like San Jose State, could, while they would like to get twenty-five or thirty million dollars every year from a Power Five conference, 
they don't have the facilities right now, the infrastructure. They don't have anything, everything up and running. Uh, but most schools want out because you want to get to the promised land, the power five and the potential of all that money. And as far as the Mountain West being proactive, like who would say yes to them right now? All the schools that you want are either in the Pac-12, and what you're hoping for is if the Pac-12 either falls apart completely, merges with the Big 12, ACC, whatever, like then you're going to be there to pick up the pieces and get Washington State or Oregon State, but you got to wait. Right. Um, you're not going to Pac-12 schools and go, hey, come on down. No. And you're not going to like the AAC. You're not going to the Big 12 and grabbing schools. And frankly, then what? What do you you want? North Dakota State? Maybe. Right, like that would be interesting because there's tons of money in that state, and their football program is good. But right now, the Mountain West doesn't have a lot of options except to kind of sit around and go, "All right, you know, who gets taken, if anyone?" And then, what do we do from here? Who do we grab? Yeah, well, we got to wait. There's no, there's nobody in the pack. There's nobody in in power conferences that are that's worried. I mean, in a sense, like worried enough to what's going to take place in the next couple of years, and thinking we better get to the Mountain West. There's, here's the here's the bottom line. The mountain there's nothing the Mountain West could do outside of get a miracle and merge with right. the Pac-12. Right. That would get them enough TV money to become a Power 5 conference. And by Power 5 we mean, you know, hauling in enough money where each school's getting like 25 mil per school, but we're hearing numbers, you know, for the Big 10 and the SEC where you're looking at 80, 90, 100, 110 million dollars per school. After 2026. So Mountain West is a good group of five conference. I think it's a, a good football conference. We're going to hear some comments from J.D. Wicker, who's the AD at San Diego State. He was on with Q, Q Myers on ESPN National last night. Like San Diego State, of all the teams in the conference, seems to make the most sense. And I was reading John Wilner, who's you know the really good um, Northern California so, uh, source on the Pac-12. And he said, you know, here, here's... Here's some of the predictions, right? If the Pac-12 survives, one of the options is SDSU plus a 12th school added. That would be the hope for UNLV, but there's a lot of schools being mentioned as candidates, including some Texas schools, which then it gets kind of scary. Uh, they also say, or he says... Who are the Texas schools? SMU. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if not that, then some sort of major alliance like whatever's left of the ACC and the Pac-12, you'd have an East and a West. That that would garner some money from TV networks. You get a lot of traditional powers there. And then after that, it would be if to say there's, you know, say Oregon Washington does actually get to they get to the Big 10, you'd have eight schools left and you would he says then you would maybe you would do a Big 12 merges with the Pac-12 and gets it to 20 schools. So UNLV's in that one zone where if the Pac-12 wants to add, you know, two schools or four, and they're pulling from potentially the Mountain West, UNLV would have a shot. But as I've told everyone from the beginning, I think it's it's not going to be truly status quo, but I don't think there's going to be power fives that are on the outside looking in, which means it makes it really difficult for group of fives to get the step up. And it's a bummer. It's a total bummer. Believe me, when you hear, and I heard it all, there's a, there's a certain amount of arrogance right now and puffing out the chest by the San Diego State people. And, like, I do think San Diego State has a lot going for it. And San Diego, 
It is Southern California. It's not L.A., and no one in L.A. cares about San Diego, and I don't care how many San Diego State alums are in the L.A. area. It's not really the, a great replacement, but they would seem to make the most sense. But do I believe San Diego State is some, you know, their situation is like way above UNLV? Not really. Could San Diego State, I mean, what happens if San Diego State's approached by, let's say you see these big mergers, right? Big 12, ACC, whatever. All of a sudden, San Diego State decides to go to the Big 12. Pac-12 is yeah. out of the loop for the Southern That's California. That's the one thing I didn't mention. If the Big 12 got hyper-aggressive and they're like, you know what? We're going to rob you guys of Southern California. Pac-12 yep. can't even get that back. That would be brutal. Yeah. And that would be uh, that would be where the Pac-12 has to start deciding where they're going to go next. And I think that's where Las Vegas. Let's talk a little hockey, a little Let's softball. Will we so- bring him in? Oh, yeah, we got we got him on the phone now, and we're glad to bring in a member of the first Golden Knights team. He was in town for the recent softball game, of course, with Riley Smith and friends against uh, Josh Jacobs and friends. Glad to have on the show NHL player Eric Halla. Eric, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. It's been a while since I, since I, since I think the last time I got to see you was when locker rooms were still open pre-pandemic, <laughs> we were all in some good times back then, and uh, you know, and 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 I think we're getting back to some normalcy. So, just ba- oh, over, since since you left, got to ask you. You know, you've been back a couple times for the softball game, but but how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, we just uh, came into town for for a week or so. Uh, we got a big wedding, William Carlson's wedding tomorrow, and Emily's, and oh, yeah. uh, excited for that. Uh, glad to be here to celebrate with them and, and uh, obviously a softball game and then uh, just sending some stuff uh, to our home uh, in Minnesota from from uh, from our house here. And I will I will say I I, I, I do get a kick out of I, I you know on social media especially during the off season is seeing when the the guys get together from that first team right uh, whether it's Jonathan Marchesaw and and yourself or William Carlson I know there were times where we'd see vacation videos on Instagram and and that everybody still has that bond do you still reflect on that first season yeah I mean, those are memories that are going to last a lifetime there's friendships that are going to last a lifetime and it was uh it was special it was special for us players I'm sure it was special for the fans and just the city of Las Vegas so yeah, we're going to cherish that forever. Uh, we were just just fell short, you know. I I can't even imagine what it would've been like if it would actually. When people got, ask got you Eric Hall's with us. When people ask you say 15 years after your career and they're like, "How the hell did you guys do that as an expansion squad?" What will you say like what do you, when you think back and I know it's not that long ago, but like how did you do it? I, I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of people wondering it, but I just <laughs> think that we were a lot better than people thought and and uh and we were just such a close group. We played for each other. We played with a chip on our shoulder. We just had a ton of fun, and and uh, everything just worked out great. Um, you know, it's it's hard to explain. It's just a, just a special group of guys, and and we just uh, we meshed really well. If the group had stayed together, could you uh, could you have won a cup the you know the next year or the year after? Well, <laughs> uh, you know what? It would have been fun to see what would have happened if we would have stayed together. Uh, it's so hard to say. It's so hard to win the Stanley Cup, as we can see every single year. But but uh, that remains the question, right? Yeah. It would have been fun to see what happens if we would have got another crack at it. I'm sure we all all were hoping for that a little bit. But uh, but it didn't happen, and things happen in a funny way in this, this league and, and uh, in this business. So, um, yeah, but still, it's a, it's a great memory. And like I said, we'll always cherish it. 
So I got to ask you, Eric, with that being said, in, in, in your time, you know, since leaving Vegas, um, just your thoughts on VGK itself since since you left, that there's been so much turnover in the locker room and, and, and with the coaching staff, right, from, from, from Gerard to Pete to, to now Bruce, who you know well and we'll ask you about in a minute. But just, just your thoughts on is, – is it just – do you look back at that or do you just say, hey, that's the NHL on, on a wide scale or, or is it sort of, sort of temple scratching like for the fans, like what is going on? Well, you know, I, I got my own stuff to worry about. I obviously follow – follow and see what happens uh with the team and and uh you know see how how my friends are doing and and but it's so hard to say if you're not in that locker room it's so hard to take any part or any say in, in what's going on and and uh how the team is doing it's uh, you know you it's one of those things you just need to ask the people who are in there they're they're the ones who know what's going on and they're the ones who know the players that are in there so so for me i'm not in there I, it's so hard for me to say anything about it so what can you tell us that the VGK fan and us and the VJK fan, what can we expect with Bruce Cassidy as coach? Well, I mean, I think his record speaks for himself. I, I, he's, he's been on good teams and, and uh, he's, he has a great record. So, you know, I, he's, uh, you know, he's done everything except for win the cup. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's excited for the opportunity to come here, come to another good team, come from a good team to another good team. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's a good coach and, and uh, yeah, the fans should be excited. Going to the softball game, what do you think of the uh, fan reaction at the softball game? Yeah, I, I love that event, and I love coming. It's such a warm welcome, and and, and just uh, it's, it's it's hard to even explain. You know, I I honestly think that the welcome is is best here out of any city that I that I've I've been in or or go to. So you know, it it warms your heart, and uh, you know that's why we have a house here. We love it here, and and uh, it's definitely like a like a second home for us. How'd you guys play? How'd you play? Uh, well, we won for the first time, so I think we played pretty good. Um, we were we were happy about that. We 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 weren't going to accept another loss. I, we were zero and two going into this one. Uh, myself, I, I was happy with my game. Um, I think I I hit my first home run ever, so that's that's good. And and nice. uh, it's just a lot of fun. Where did the home run go out? Uh, pretty close to center. Uh, I think wow. it was a little bit windy, so I think I think that helped me out a little bit. <laughs> who was who was the most impressive uh, VGK side player? I mean, I think we're all shocked by Willem Carlson's uh, batting. I don't know if his he was really uh, fielding. I think he might have might have had a few cold beverages getting ready for the wedding. But uh, <laughs> he, when he stepped stepped into the box, I mean, he I think he hit three out of four out of the park. So uh, yeah, I mean. Was that there was, that was Eric Hollis with us, a former Golden Knight? Uh, was there a player on the Raiders side where you were like, "My God!" First of all, I mean the, the size of those guys in the in the first place. Like Ryan Reeves is a big guy, but you know when you start looking at football players, like Jesus. But was there a uh, was there a Raider who was just ridiculous in terms of softball? Um, I don't know. I mean, they have, they have obviously tremendous athletes over there, and then it's really hard to throw them out at first when they get going. So uh, got some. They got some speed on, speed on them, and, and obviously they got the power to hit the ball out. I don't think anyone really really uh, was above the, above the others. I think they had a pretty 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 even keel group. So before we get you out of here, you got a big signing coming up, right? Uh, Golden Knights fans and hockey fans in general can meet Eric Holla, get autographs, uh, uh, meet and greet. It's at uh, Vegas Sports and Hockey. So tell us about the details, what, on Sunday, right? Yeah, I'll be there from two to three thirty, and then I uh, would love to see all the fans and and uh, and please stop by and say hi. 
Good deal. By the way, weddings, how many weddings in Vegas have you been to? Uh, well, my own, after myself, it's been Mark Stones, now William, um, three maybe? Good deal. This is a good place yeah. to have a wedding. Real good place. Yeah. All right, yeah. well, enjoy the weekend. We appreciate a couple minutes. Thank yeah, you so much. Have me on. All right. There he is, Barracola, with us here on a Friday. We come back, 4 o'clock hour.